0: Hi, this is for hi. the Girls Podcast. Hi, hi. I'm Jason um, Black. Let's and I'm Nick Westray. And this is a podcast about uh, queer people, L people, G people, B people, and T people, and uh, how they love divas.
1: Yeah, uh, Nick and I were, we grew up together, childhood friends in Michigan, and our biggest rescue was women entertainers. I think that's yeah. kind of what got us through some of our hardest times. And so we decided to make a podcast about that.
0: Mm hmm. And uh, we were both obsessed with Bette Midler and Whitney Houston primarily but then went to the school of all divas and uh, became obsessed with uh, uh, hundreds hundreds of divas that we now cover on the show. We interview fans uh, every other episode and we sometimes just talk to each other. Um, but who's this a podcast for Jason.
1: Okay. <laughs> this is a podcast. <laughs> this is a podcast for a sunny days and Tuesdays. <laughs> that was my this real is a- <laughs> Funny one. Uh, this is a podcast for lead sisters. This is a podcast for girls band camp.
0: This is a podcast for soft rock icons.
1: This is a podcast for uh, for the people who really enjoyed hanging out and growing up with their siblings, and then wanted to make a career off of that.
0: This is a podcast for all the daughters of Agnes. <laughs> <laughs> you got more, bitch? Well, Jason this- was like, this week I have a lot of
1: them. <laughs> I have three. Oh, fine. Here's the fourth. This is a podcast um, for everyone that has an Auntie Dion Warwick in their lives. Oh, yes. Yes.
0: And who are, who, um, this week we have. Who are, you talking to? We- who are you talking to? Who
1: are you talking to? Who are you talking to?
0: We are talking to Louis Vertel, comedian, writer, and host of one of our favorite podcasts,
2: Keep It. And who are we talking about, Louis? Who's your diva? Hi. Uh, We're talking about the maybe noted non-diva, but diva nonetheless, Karen Carpenter. Which, yeah, she
1: probably wouldn't say diva, huh?
2: I mean, she's correct in that it's like, it's a woman who occupies a space on a stage, and I want to worship the space in which she stands. But she's so, you know... Downey, California, it feels like we have to invent some up. Like, is there Downey Diva? There's got to be a subset or something. Ooh,
0: Downey Divas is a good one.
1: Downey (laughs) Diva. (laughs) Did you? The people that bought that house in Downey, I guess, were trying to get it raised because the fans kept showing up. (laughs) to try to take tours of it so they're like we're done we're done we're just gonna get rid of it agnes like sold it in 96 i think and they've been trying to demolish it ever since
2: um is agnes still alive no she died in 96 agnes Um, also might be the real diva is the issue of course we'll unpack this
1: (laughs) richard's the real diva richard's the diva. If this was for hymns, they would. We, we could do. A we whole are not for him. Queen Richard. Um.
0: <laughs> okay, before we get before we get dive into the KC and the RC of it all, let's do. I, I want to do diva news because I was so oh, excited yeah. to do diva news this week, and then I listened to keep it and realized that they had done all of my diva news before me. Because this that, week we had folklore come out,
2: we had Olivia De Havilland died, and you guys talked to, about them both perfectly. So. I mean, no, I mean, I'm emotionally bereft because of both of them. Um, But uh, uh,
1: (laughs) Which one more?
2: (laughs) uh, Definitely Olivia de Havilland more. Because, like, you still, uh, like, I find myself having to explain who that is still to, like, a random person who sees the headline. And I, like, it's, like, first of all, like, Gone with the Wind alone should, like, say something to you. But the idea that I have to explain the idea of a Montgomery Clift movie or Errol Flynn. It's just, it's a lot to have to tell a newcomer. And I, I would just prefer to only talk to queer people about Olivia De Havilland. Welcome.
0: You found your space. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I realized today when I was thinking about her, that she, like Melanie Wilkes to me is the original anti-hero, at least in my life that I realized I was like, my sister was so obsessed with that movie, and she was a real like Scarlett O'Hara girl. And you know, those girls are out there, right? And for me, it was Scary. Melanie Wilkes all the way. I was like, just ki- let kindness rule the day, please,
3: Olivia. <laughs> uh,
2: we did a um years and years ago, I, I did a show at UCB with Jeffrey Self, Brian Safi, and Guy Branham called The Gay Beatles, which was just like the view with gay men, and then we had a segment where you Uh, 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 nominated a new gay diva for all time. And Brian Safi did Melanie Wilkes. And was talking about like how she needs to be carried everywhere, etc. And, <laughs> uh, and, and he won in like a landslide. And I've always been a little salty about it ever since. But you're, who, you're right. I mean, she's what I think a queer person would naturally latch on once you're over the like Lucy Van Pelt fun brattiness of Scarlett.
0: Yeah. yeah. Who was your diva for all time recommendation? Well, who did I do at the
2: time? Oh, I did Vanna White, who I feel like is not really a gay icon. I mean, should be. The Playboy cover with her ass out. I mean, goddess of love in 1988 with Betsy Palmer and David Naughton. The idea of turning a letter to help reveal a puzzle. I don't know. It's just like, she's like out of a dream. <laughs> Wasn't she going to take over for Pat Sajak at one point? She did, she did. two weeks of hosting. And uh, somebody told me on the set of that show that she basically was unfamiliar with the rules of the game because she never had to pay attention to them
1: really <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That would be my favorite job. Um uh, to just <laughs> that actually sounds so nice because I can't pay attention to anything. But yeah, they're shooting again. I think they're shooting next week. But Jeffrey and Wheel of Fortune, yeah.
0: You can like re-jiggers the fuck out of that. Yeah, that's perfect mm. show for social distance. My other big news. Well, first, Jay, I have sad news for you.
1: Okay.
0: Oprah magazine is ending in December.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh.
0: The print edition. Wow. Well, am I breaking this for both of
2: you? Jesus. I am upset with myself that I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. that I blame myself.
1: What am I going to try to read real quick before my groceries get checked out? <laughs> I'm so not wrong. buying this. I'm not buying this. I'm just skimming. <laughs>
0: I feel like you need to get all the back issues with your parade collection.
2: I don't know. Uh, Wait, hold on. Can we talk about Parade Magazine really quickly? Did you know that Marilyn Vosavant. No, do we?
1: And we do talk about Parade Magazine.
2: (laughs) Okay. Um, So, you know, Marilyn Vosavant, who uh, writes the column where she has the highest IQ in the world or whatever. Yes. And it takes you. She's married to somebody incredible. I'm sorry, I'm now looking it up. And I didn't know it until just now. Everybody needs to know it. I'm sorry. I would hate to have dead air on your wonderful show. She is married to. She's
1: married to Olivia. right
2: oh she's married to robert jarvik who developed the artificial heart wow well that's a brilliant
1: to... marriage i would call that a brilliant marriage a brilliant mind marriage
0: they should have a thruple with gina davis
3: right
1: <laughs> or no wait who's um no um uh no, who's the other one that can't forget ever anything? Uh, Mary Lou Hunter, Mary Lou Hunter, a fruple, a fruple, a frupple, all four, a frupple all, all four Mensa, This is my man- This is my Mensa family.
2: Mary Lou Hunter telling you what piece of lingerie you wore at any given time during the night. She's like at seven thirty-five p.m. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Friend of the you podcast, used Mary five Hunter. pieces
1: of toilet paper, Mary. How do you know that? Uh-huh. <laughs> you weren't even well, in the bathroom.
0: The, I think about that all the time and how that would be the worst thing to ever happen to me.
3: To have oh well, kind of Mary.
2: I've I've seen like several versions of that sixty minutes where they talk to Mary Lou Hunter and people. It's like superior autobiographical memory, I think, is what it's called. And some people are utterly tortured by it, but she seems completely unfazed. She's like, "Yeah, I wore yellow shoes on April thirteenth, nineteen seventy eight. Like, doesn't care."
0: Oh, no, I love forgetting. I love everything about forgetting. I'm going to forget so soon.
1: (laughs) I'm just going to forget.
0: The the other piece of big diva news I have is that our Madonna is canceled. She came out in favor of the hydroxychloroquine doctor and fucking Annie Lennox came for her in the comments. And I was so proud of Annie.
1: (laughs) This is diva battle. You're giving us a diva battle. This is a diva
2: battle. Listen,
1: everyone wants to change the world. (laughs) <laughs> Some do it very irresponsibly. Uh,
2: <laughs> I mean, she, I, it, if you're a Madonna fan, though, I mean, you're used to, one, canceling her every couple of years anyway, and then yeah, two... or, or, or recently. D- yeah, or just, like, having a bone to pick with her, right? Like, because the whole point of Madonna is, while wow, that was outrageous, I don't know if I liked that. Two years later, I liked that. You know, like, like, you do kind of end up, like, seeing where she's coming from, unless it's something like this, where it's just she's clearly alienated from the universe and is like clinging to large font memes to pretend she understands where anybody is coming from. Oh, it's horrifying.
1: She's listen, She's doing stretches with her very young dancer boyfriend. That takes a lot of time. She's she still with that guy. She just did like a video with him recently before the, before her, co- before her doc, before Dr. Madonna came on the scene. To,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to take Instagram away from all divas. I hate it. Like I hate what it did to Glenn Close. I hate what it's doing to Madonna.
1: You want a diva-free Instagram?
0: <laughs> I want D- I, D- Diva should only be on
2: Twitter. I will um, say what always has just dis- disturbed me about Madonna on Instagram is just the punctuation. Like, is it Madonna like a like a I don't know about mensa level person, but like a brilliant person, right? She's super witty and super uh, yeah, a perfectionist ten-
1: too. Yeah, like a, a perfectionist. Prof- like so it's like, where does that come is...
2: from? Yeah, I agree. It's
0: like an aesthetics free zone for her. Like she loses all aesthetics. She doesn't. But have to but, think about but maybe you could
1: wrap it around Martha Stewart because to me that's probably my all time greatest is when she does a food snap of her like beef stroganoff half eaten on a plate. So that well,
0: that's Martha Stewart done broke Instagram this week with um, her pool
1: selfie. Yeah, she broke that Yeah.
2: Oh was that was beautiful. such good news. That it was, was
0: good.
1: really good. It was really wild.
2: it was the good news I think. And and when she uh responded to Chelsea handler who had like a, a kind of funny take on her picture with I think you're a little young to be doing this. Just like Martha is so ominous every time. Just who is who is that casually ominous?
1: I had to like, is, do so many background checks to be like did Martha say fuck? Did she really say fuck? I thought that I thought that was a big news of it all. I was like, this someone someone has gotten on her account because
0: I just really wish I was part of Martha Stewart's staff and that I was living with her on that compound in Connecticut right now.
1: Her detainees. <laughs> so that's <in laughs> her, not <with> her detainees. <laughs> Another oh. meal for my detainees. 148. I'm like, girl, girl. Um, do you uh, have yeah. news Jay well I don't know maybe I'll just, we'll just kind of fluff it up what I I did watch something very seminal for the first time last night um just kind of easing off of our, my karen bandwagon that I've been just um luxuriating in for over a week you know just we're gonna be talking about the Todd Haynes what's the superstar on the patreon but I watched um the one of Todd Haynes I think second film called safe from 1995 with Julianne Moore, and I think it's one of, I think it's one of the, I don't even know how to say it, greatest strangest things I've done during this whole time. I made it sacred, so I only looked at my phone five times, and <laughs> I got really involved with it. It's, I, I can't wait to talk about it. Have you seen it, Lewis?
2: Yes, I've. Todd Haynes is the weirdest person for me because so there weird. are movies he's made that I would call five star movies, like. I'm one of those Carol queens who's like just obsessed with Carol for all time. And then I'm Not There is one of my least favorite movies ever. And then there's a whole bunch of movies in the middle. Like Safe to me is like a four-star movie. And then Velvet the <gasps> the Goldmine's three. And then Far yeah. From Heaven's three. And, you know, etc. cetera. Yeah. So like, I can't predict what level he's going to give me in any given moment. No
1: one's I seen have... that movie called Wonder Wheel.
0: <laughs> oh, Wonderstruck, yes. Boy, yeah. Wonderstruck. I don't even know what that... What is that?
1: And so he did that with Julianne Moore in, like, 2017?
0: Mm-hmm, is it mm-hmm. about a kid with a helmet?
1: No, but then he also <laughs> did that one. Then he also did that one recently about the polluted water with Mark Ruffalo. Dark waters. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. dark I waters.
0: Watch it. I I saw some uh, article that was like, sure. Tom I should have done safe
1: and fucking dark waters back to back just to get <laughs> double myself feature. A real,
0: Yeah, double
3: I feature. mean, you have Anne
0: Hathaway in a wig again, which is one of my favorite moods. Is Anne? Oh
2: sure. Yeah. But, uh, uh, when, I, when, I, when I interviewed Anne Hathaway once upon a time, I forget what it was, it was for some bad movie a couple of years. Song to Song. Does that sound familiar to anybody? No. Um, uh, sh- yeah. I said, I was like, we ended up talking about Rachel getting married. I was like, and the hair in that movie, she goes, oh, that's my favorite hair.
3: So, <laughs> so we, we, had, we were we, on the same
2: page i was lucky we had carrie
0: o'donnell on this podcast talking about rachel getting married it's a really good episode everyone should go back and download it and rate and we obsess
1: over that hair that hair is everything in that film
0: kim kim with a y
2: carrie o'donnell is very obsessed particularly with a woman taking a drag with a jagged haircut like that's everything he is and and that's a, and his, a, yeah that's
0: <laughs> that's his whole milieu um, but yeah, we, we're we going to talk about that on the Patreon today. We're going to talk about Safe, the Todd Haynes, no, uh, Superstar the Todd Haynes movie. And we're going to talk about the Karen Carpenter story starring friend of the podcast, Cynthia Gibb. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was, <laughs> um, and we yeah, we have a Patreon. We've covered Sybil season one. We've just covered Angela <laughs> Lansbury's exercise video, Positive Moves. Mm-hmm. And so, Lewis, doesn't that sound like content that you want to
2: pay $7 a month for? Yeah, well, I just saw that Sybil for Season 1 is on some streaming service for Amazon? free. And so I was, was intending to watch it. All yeah. the seasons.
0: All the seasons. It's the best. So we're going to cover all the seasons. Go join the Patreon if you're listening to this. <laughs> we love you. We appreciate you. Let's talk about Karen Carpenter.
1: Well, okay, here we go. Oh, my God. So much, so much, so much. Let's get some origins going. Okay.
2: Lewis, how did you first fall in love with KC? It's a tough question Because for me The Carpenters How I came into them They were someone You'd hear about On a compilations commercial So I was maybe like 10 or 11 And I came to pop culture Like a little bit late Like I'm somebody Who didn't know about Buying CDs Until I was probably In middle school Really And I remember I have I have three brothers All straight And and they look it. They just They look like they play hockey If that's my people Um, Where are you from? I'm from a suburb of Chicago Which is like Big Michigan if you guys, yeah. to, to level with you. Mm-hmm. And I remember like in kind of fighting with my brother, teasing my brothers, we would sort of sing the carpenter songs because we had heard them in the commercials, like taunt each other with the lyrics some of the time. I feel like and Richard then, would be
1: so proud of you that you found him through a commercial. He'd be like, you yeah. do all my best music, all my best music.
2: <laughs> Which is actually the part of the, the Karen Carpenter story where they that a viewer might actually get something from watching. Like, oh, wow, he saw a bank ad. And, anyway, <laughs> um, but um, it was through that. And then eventually, I be- you know, I, I I got into people like, um, when I became like a gay teenager or whatever, like Madonna and Liz Fair and Amy Mann. And then finally, I returned to the Carpenters j- just through hearing their music and realizing, oh, this is a voice that competes with the, the voices I really love. Like Amy Mann, for example, is like, has a sort of sarcastic alto and Karen has an alto that's I'm not saying they're they're alike but there's something similar about the way they they uh convey there, a lyric there's both know?
1: something sad there's something heart, there's yeah. something heartbreaking and and storytelling to both of their voices like I get a lot of 3 minutes from both of them
2: and like unadorned, right? There's like an effortlessness, mm-hmm. I think, to the to the sadness or the level of emotions that they kind convey. of like you're
1: singing in a closet or something, you know, like just recording by yourself, almost intimacy.
2: Yeah, right. Like intimacy, they do not have to force. Um, and uh, so I got like the compilation album that everybody gets, and for a long time I subsisted on that because the Carpenters are they're like ABBA in that way. Like if you just own yes. ABBA gold, like that's a satisfying fandom right there. Like you, you'll you're set for years and years and years, but after a while, she just became the voice that go that like burth- burrows further, further into your brain, into your spine. You realize like no other voice sort of hits that like emotional clarity that um, the concentration in what she does, all of these things, like the intensity just builds and builds over time. I think for the fans, like you, like, I, I, I was part of a Carpenters documentary that's fi- that uh, filmed just before COVID. And the oh. guy who, if you know, Randy, Sh- Randy Schmidt, who wrote a uh, little girl blue, um, he's the mm-hmm. one running the documentary. I said to him, I was like, so do you just listen to the Carpenters casually? He goes, yes, of course, all the time. Like you don't lose this. It keeps going, you know? Right. <laughs> and, um, uh, so that was really the beginning of it, and then of course I I, I bought everything. I, I used to have carpenters posters all over my house. I, I dropped one and the glass broke, so I have to get it back up. But um, you're wearing uh, yeah, a Carpenters sort of shirt right now. Oh yes, I have several all the time. That Car- carpenters is the closest thing I have to like a brand. I would say. Like if, if I <laughs> and, and what's nice is if if I'm like if I'm out anywhere, someone will point and be like, you know what? I got to see them at the forum in 1974, and then you have a conversation about that. It's so nice.
1: You should do a remake of my brand is chaos, but my brand is carpenters. Yeah. <laughs> so I was trying to I figure do... this out. Um, my my origins, um, with the carpenters. I I and I was calling around some girlfriends because there was a time in the aughts that I was playing the carpenters nonstop. I mean, for me, the carpenters are very. What season to you are the carpenters?
2: Oh, that's carpenters, interesting.
1: Because I feel like for me, it's a fall to Christmas. Easy peasy, you know, right. you slide all right into the home run of the Christmas album from sad mm-hmm. girl fall to with your pumpkin spices and, and you get, and, and you just, and you slam dunk it. So that to me, so that, so listening to it in, in the summer, I was like, well, I can, I can do this. I can, it's per for the, this time. I'm telling you, I haven't done the Carpenters in a while, but this has been real syncing up with my emotion, with my emotional <laughs> life in a really nice, um, drugged out way. And so I was trying to figure out, like, was there a a Carpenter's Revival in the aughts, like a kind of hipster Carpenter Revival, like around 2009?
2: All I can say is that uh, the aughts in general are a good time for compilations, because that was the last hurrah of, like, buying CDs in stores. And so, like, I felt like there was always a new version of the greatest hits you could get. I just think it was likely around that time that you would hear them on some VH1 look back special. It was a big behind the music time. So I felt like casually, even all my friends at school knew who they were and knew the story, really.
0: Yeah, I had had this same experience. I mean, Jason and I were hanging out in Brooklyn a lot in the aughts. And all of our hipster friends all of a sudden got super into the Carpenters kind of in an, an ironic way. You know, because they're so sincere and they're so emotional, and it was kind of ironic to like the Carpenters, which I always made me kind of angry. I was like, you should like someone for like the intention they put behind the music, not because
2: it's funny to like them. You know, it's it was a weird thing to me. No, it's in, I. I mean, that's always been, you know, ever since the Carpenters were huge in the seventies and up, you know battling for billboard space against led zeppelin or even someone like carly simon who that's emotional lady music too but she also had a cool factor so it was different you know there's always been this layer of like are we into the carpenters or are we rolling our eyes at them or um whatever and what i think what's interesting is there's no there there are a few versions of a male singer like that like i would personally say that the song don't stop believing by journey is highly emotional almost embarrassingly sentimental and yet it doesn't feel kind of cringy in a public way that the carpenters i think are often perceived as you know
1: i was having this question who i was trying to be like who is karen's contemporaries because it's not and i was like debbie boone Right, Alan Reddy. It's like, yeah. it's,
2: it's like Debbie Boone is like Karen Carpenter without the X, the, the thing that we care X-Faction, about. X Factor, you know, without <laughs> yeah. without
1: without the like, you don't. You can name that one Debbie Boone song. You can't, but there isn't even a sound like you. No know, one's gonna listen. Um, right. To, to what about to and be like Petula that's Debbie Clark,
0: Boone kind of.
1: Oh, you know what? Patula Clark sing, sang a um, did like a memorial for her when when Karen. Yeah, Karen they were
2: really good girlfriends, that. right? Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Karen Carpenter is sort of like the Yale version of Tony Tanino or something,
0: right? Right, but like the really virtuoso. She was like a virtuosic. Like we had a lot of these singers in the nineteen seventies, and Karen was like the apex of them all.
2: Yes, and, and the one that people that wasn't just the best, but people were in awe of. Like, what is it about her that makes it that goes beyond singing in a way? You know, even like I think something also that goes underrated about Karen Carpenter compared to those other women is the acting and how she performed on stage. Like she truly seems consumed by a song and in a rare way. Yeah. Can you talk
0: more about that? Like what's the best example of that for you? Like her being completely consumed by a song.
2: I mean, you can see this in most live performances. What comes to mind immediately is just the familiar quote unquote music video of we've only just begun where she's like eyes closed, sort of like head shaking back and forth. The familiar uh, Karen Carpenter hair going on.
4: We've only just begun to live White lace and promises A kiss for luck and more
2: You know it's a song that's soaring on a partridge family like melody feels uh quaint enough and then when you watch her singing it you realize there's some like nirvana level concentration occurring some you know it, like monastic um uh, uh commitment to the music and we can get now into the connection between her and richard but you, you just realize that there was a a version of perfection that only the two of them understood and can only get from each other which was sort of a very ultimately tragic bond
1: white lace and promises i cannot get that out of my head for an entire week that that line is the way that she the way that she constructs around that line is it, it just it cements in your goddamn brain like karen yeah. we cover so many divas and the way that her her readings are just i don't know how to say impeccable
2: um but it's like i think you're you're really sexy right. like why she, is it sexy too the way she like wraps around a vowel like why?
4: Yeah. white lace and promises
2: you know it's like it's like there's like three vowels in there you know when the way mm. she says and it's like each one is a diff like a slightly different emotion that has all of those things in it it's like slightly sexy slightly sad slightly optimistic it's You know, uh, my friend Karen Tonkson, I don't know if you've read, she wrote a book called Why Karen Carpenter Matters. Uh,
0: Yes, this book is incredible. I've just read pieces of it. It's incredible.
2: She articulates things about Karen Carpenter that I truly felt would never be articulated. So I really recommend people um, read it. She's an awesome person just Did it just come out, right? Yes. Um, But she talks about how even under Karen Carpenter's sad songs, there's the curve of a smile. And I think that's part of the, the magic of her is like, to bring up that Pixar movie inside out. Like it's like the, the, the emotions combine in a strange way, ultimately that feel poignant and real.
1: Because it's, I love the idea of a curve of a smile as opposed to a wink and a nod because she's never, it's not a joke.
2: It is that
1: kind of, there is, there's, um, it's a melancholy joy. Is that a, is that a way of saying that? Totally
2: yes. It's like measured joy or something. It's like wise joy. Yeah. It's yeah. Like sage under, joy. It's, it's like joy is understanding, always
1: understanding.
0: It's like an understanding that all of these emotions are going to have to exist in a human experience. That's mm-hmm. what makes them so complicated. You know, it's like you know that Karen Carpenter is has is and will continue to experience great sadness but she hasn't given up on life. She still loves the audience. She still believes in music and singing. And so she's going to continue for us all.
2: Yes. There's like a kind of workhorse optimism, not just through her musical career, but through the, the, the intensity of her human experience, you know?
1: And she worked those songs to, I mean, as far as I, as much as I can understand, she worked those songs to death. I mean, she knew every line in the. she knew how she was phrasing everything
2: oh films. right right there's a part Very in, in uh, yeah, and just never screwing up i can't picture her mm-hmm. in the booth like trying something and failing you know maybe the, is this where it, we talk about richard richard is an interesting person to me because in in a way i'm sympathetic to my what my understanding of him which is that he was so well at, at first what people probably don't Realize on a general public level is that it was kind of supposed to be all about Richard, right? Like it was the Dick Carpenter trio and he was like the obvious musical prodigy who went to Yale and Karen sort of tagged along and became obsessed with the drums through him. And then sort of accidentally this world-class vocalist that they truly seem to have stumbled upon accidentally, truly. But and then he obviously became this brilliant orchestrator, brilliant producer and sometimes songwriter, too often a singer for my liking. But, oh, uh, it
1: always is a shock when there's a Richard
2: track on the album. Yeah. I'm like, oh, here, here he comes. But he seemed to nurture Karen's gift and understand her voice in a very methodical way, while also not really ever grasping how much humanity was spilling out of her at any given moment. I mean, that's what what is apparent to fans. And I think he maybe understands that intellectually. But there's always been a distance between him and Her true power, I would say.
1: Uh, Linda Perry is on, is on one of the, uh, Four Non Blondes, is on one of the Carpenters documentaries. And she's talking, she talks about Richard's gifts. And she, uh, she says uh, that it's simple, that actually like the orchestration and production is simple, but no one can actually recreate it. Like that he was on the level of brian wilson i would I would say like he gives me um Lindsay Beckingham vibes that he really knows the shape and the world of the song that he's and the wall of sound that he's creating, and he's really confident yes in in that in the perfection of that of what he can do and it's so I love that idea that it's it's simple it sounds it sounds easy, but basically no one can actually redo it
2: yes I mean also just I mean, the the production itself deserves, I mean, extreme kudos. If you listen to like the versions of Close to You that existed prior to the Carpenters ones, I mean, it's like it doesn't seem like a magical song to me at face value. And then it becomes this, you know, Carpenters like intense monastic experience, you know, that you didn't think was possible.
0: had this insane ability to read the room in terms of like all of America, like in at the beginning of the seven days, know that everyone kind of wanted to like chill out for a second and reflect and think about love. Like the, just like where they showed up on the scene and how this music, it really did change pop music at the time. And he was responsible
2: for that. No. Oh, totally. No. I mean, like they were out in left field in a way, you know, and like, Subject to obvious criticisms from, you know, a very male-oriented mus- musical press, too. Um, even if they became pretty popular quickly, they won the Best New Artist Grammy, etc. But you're right, he, he was driven by something divine and all-knowing and uh, never strayed from it. Really committed to that kind of production from the beginning. It's not like he was born finished, so to speak. He, he didn't have to acquire the skill set.
1: I love that you say monastic because that was my experience I'm sure for a lot of people of listening and my, well, I love the remix of uh, Ticket to Ride
2: mm-hmm. Oh, Listening yes.
1: to that was and talk about like oh you can still listen to the Carpenters I can still get the exact same chills today listen, from 10 years ago when I first heard Karen's, Karen in that production
4: I think I'm gonna be sad I think it's today The boy that's driving me mad is going away. He's got a ticket to ride. He's got a ticket to ride. He's got a ticket to ride. ride And he don't care.
2: they just
1: made it better
2: on the remix for me. Oh, totally. No. I, I, I mean, the first album, Offering, which is where um, Ticket to Ride is on, which was the, the album was then called Ticket to Ride. That's the only thing where I'm glad we've had specific uh, producing improvements since that album. <laughs> that was the one where they were like getting it together or they're on a small label or, you know, whatever. But uh, no, Ticket to Ride, I think, sounds fabulous.
1: Haunting, they, haunting. Is that, the,
0: is that the song that they sing on that college competition show you sent
2: us oh the uh on one of them yes they also did like dancing in the streets and they did uh i'm trying to think what the other one was yes but they
0: do at the time but that video is so creepy those weird old men who are like welcome welcoming them onto the show and then explain to the audience what lip-syncing is
3: now she plays the drums like you have never heard he's always ahead of you huh
4: yeah, he always has been. There's nothing I can do about
3: it. <laughs> is it tough to world. be a sister of a big brother like that?
4: Uh, actually, no. Ah, he <laughs> so. He's pretty
3: good. You he, watch over her pretty good. Huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have oh, to. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, they're, they're not going to uh, do the sound live for you now. What they're going to do is give you the number right off the album, and these kids lip sync it. I don't know if you understand what that means, but they're going to sing, and you'll hear it off the record. And it's one of the most difficult things in our profession to do. We call it lip syncing.
2: I mean, when you, when you look at any old video of, like, let's say a celebrity woman in, from the 60s to the 70s, I'm not saying this is confined to this time the questions they are confronted with are just fucking shocking like we 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 talk about jane fonda as like a firebrand look at the fucking questions jane fonda got at that time from any fucking member of the press it is disgusting what women had to put up with
0: <laughs> it's great and the one oh, it's amazing watching karen muddle through on this cuz she's like 17 years old 18 years old right and handling these like creepy old men with such aplomb and humor and just stealiness. You're like, oh, you're,
2: you're going to, I was like, oh, you're going to be okay. I mean, she wasn't, but right. I Right, you're right, she, she could handle that anyway. That was also around the time uh, after she made this appearance with uh, Richard and they, you know, won the All-American, what is it, College Show or something like that. Um, John Wayne wanted her to play the Kim Darby role in True Grit. And she uh, tried out for that. How wild is that? Whoa,
4: whoa.
1: Oh, got a snack on that for a second. That would be crazy. Oh, that-
2: I'm so I'm
0: so glad she got to stay away from awful, awful John Wayne. I know. N- right, exactly. Who knows what uh, he could have done to warp them even further. Yeah, or she would have ended up in some weird... She would have ended up in like a Roman Polanski film. It would have been a totally different... I mean, I mean you kind of... With Karen, you're like, I'm so glad it all happened the way it did because we got all this music,
2: but I also wish it hadn't happened the way it did. Right the, now, looking back at her story, there's this e true Hollywood story like inevitability to where her life went. Even if there's nobody else in music history who or in rock history on that level, this happened to it. It, fe- it feels like the pieces have fallen into place. Like I understand how it happened now, but it's it's so the tragic level of it, it never ceases to amaze.
1: Well, you know what I had I had a i had a I had kind of a very interesting experience with all this. And I'm trying to. I can't. I couldn't come up with many other examples, but it's Richard who controls the legacy, and has controlled the legacy since '83, and kind of controlled the output of that legacy. You know, so in all the documentaries, he's kind of front and center steering the narrative. And I don't envy him. It's so. It's so difficult because part of that narrative is what Karen went through. Uh, mm-hmm, with her disease, totally. and so not only does he can, does he have to talk about the music, but he has to talk about his quaalude addiction and Karen's disease, uh, and and thread all thread all of those needles. But I was like, oh, this is so interesting because it's his, it's her brother, and it's the person that created this music, and it's and and he's the only one that is really telling us the story from right. that level. So it's kind of Richard, it's Richard's control, and I found that so fascinating about how we well, because- honor, honor our dead.
2: And and also on that level, I mean, he's given enough interviews about it that he's, for example, super knowledgeable about anorexia and and knowledgeable about the Quaalude situation and about the factors that led to Karen's death and 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 about her humanity through it. Something I, I am I'm happy he emphasizes is all right. Karen was going through a whole lot, but she also was somebody who had fun she was also somebody who was living and up to you know up to interesting things and it's like in an you know in the uh second half of the 20th century so many names like marilyn monroe or judy garland or whatever it, it just we do fetishize the sadness of it and i i appreciate him for sticking up for the fact that she was the goofy person who by the way was so obviously goofy if you watch any of these variety specials you can tell she's having so much fun being a total cheese ball up until the end
1: okay wait here's my question Okay, so you were talking about her performances. So do you prefer in front of or behind the drums?
0: Both of you. Great question. I'll let you go, Nick. I mean, I'm just obsessed with that video you sent me of her playing the drums. I had never seen that before. The it's, joy! Uh, the joy in her she's face! She's so joyful. It was, she, it's just, uh, like, it's that thing, you're like, I don't even give a fuck about the drums. I never knew I loved the drums. I didn't know I was a drums gay, but apparently I am a drums gay because just like when you watch someone that happy to do something, I have goosebumps I flesh I all too. over me because she's just so joyful that she turns into two Karen Carpenters who have to play play two different drum sets band girl. Like she makes me think of all the nerdy band girls I went to school with who I loved and adored because they were just pure nerds who loved music. And it makes me sad because she would have killed on TikTok.
2: <laughs> yes. also, I mean, like literally during that um, drumming medley that we're talking about, I think she bites her tongue. She like, you know, kind of like rolls her eyes and like giggles during it when, when she gets, I don't, I, I don't know drum terminology. I'm trying to describe what she's doing. But um, no, the the, the joy coming off of her, the, the clear virtuosity coming off her. She's like, isn't it crazy uh, that I can do this?
0: <laughs> it's so amazing. I mean, watching anyone do something that virtuosic. It's, and I just wish they would have found a better way to keep her behind. the. I mean, I love her out front. I'm obsessed with her little bird claw around the microphone. Like, I love her out front. <laughs> but I do it, wish they would have let her stay behind the drums because that's what she wanted.
1: But you also just don't get, I mean, how many do we get? Of drummer singers, like drummer lead singers. I mean, there was Robbie Robinson of the band, but like how many others were there? You know, like that, that, that's yeah, like Phil
2: Collins. Like Phil there's Collins. not yeah. many.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So Ringo Starr,
1: they, they kept being like, we can't see her. She's too small with her big drums. I was like, I can see her fine. <laughs> I mean, it maybe isn't as dynamic, but when she does get out and then later when she does become really comfortable, it's absolutely so charming. Mm-hmm. And the bat and because they did it right a lot for the ballads. She was. They were like, "Got to do this for the ballads, honey. You got to sing yeah, in front right, of that right. drum kit." I really, I mean, it adds another level, right?
2: When she when she is stepping out,
1: yeah, when she steps out in front and does a ballad, it's so-
2: well, no, again, yeah, and that's what that that uh, calls to mind. Her amazing acting ability. I, these songs are so well acted. I think, like a song that everybody knows that has my favorite Carpenter vocal moment and that I always appreciate seeing live is in. Uh, rainy days and mondays the way she says funny and funny but it seems that that part the way she sings funny it's like it actually is humorous to her the level of tragedy going like there's like it, it, it does it, she kind of go into, up everything on funny? does
1: she go up yes up, like, funny she kind of like brings that note that note up to, up up like lifts it in a really interesting way yeah yeah
4: funny but it seems i always wind up here with you nice to know somebody loves me Funny but it seems that it's the only thing to do Run and find the one who loves me, who loves me. What I feel is come and gone before No need Toke out. We know what it's all about hanging around. Nothing to do but cry. Rainy days Mondays always get me down.
2: She, she plays like. The, the light humor in it, the the, the the resolving a human emotion of it. There's, it's just so, it's so deep and so, uh, but again, unpretentious.
0: It's kind of amazing to. me. I, she had so little life experience, and yet her readings of these songs are so wise. And that's such a, I like, I can only like ascribe that to Jesus, I guess. I don't know. I
1: thought for years no. they were Mormon. For years, I was like, the carpenters mm-hmm. are are full blown Latter Day Saints.
2: And that's why it's always. Insane to watch her duet with wild legends. I mean, Perry Como, Ella Fitzgerald. And you never for a second when you watch her perform with these people think, oh, she's outmatched or she doesn't know who she's up against or, you know, these two people have nothing in common. Ella Fitzgerald is looking at Karen Carpenter like, Jesus, how is this happening?
4: There's a somebody I'm longing to see. I hope that he just- I'm a little lamb who's lost in the wood I know I could always be good To one who watched over me
3: You must remember this A kiss is still a kiss A
4: sigh is just a sigh Time goes by Moonlight and love songs Never out of date
3: Hearts full of
4: passion passion. Jealousy and hate Woman needs man And man must have his mate That no one can deny It's still a fight for love and glory A chase that do die The world will always welcome lovers As time goes by
3: Yeah,
0: okay, so I have never seen that before Saturday. That was so crazy because they also both have a very similar um kind of effortless virtuosity to mm-hmm. their voices like they can go anywhere with it and kind of um morph a song into anything and it seems like Ella Fitzgerald is like finally it seems like she's just relaxed she's like oh finally someone who can sing with me
1: proper yeah I was like is Karen recorded it's that level I was like did she did, did she pre-record her voice with Ella it's sounds... Uh, it's it's scary the control there that she has. Like I, I mean, it's perfection.
2: I don't know if it's in that video. There, there's a, a, a famous Karen Carpenter Ella Fitzgerald duet that everybody can see on YouTube. I think there's a pullout clip that's either B roll or something of Karen Carpenter watching Ella sing it first, and she's just standing there, and the look in her eyes. You, you can see Karen doing like the mystical math in her head of yes. This, this is exactly the level of legend I expected. It, it's it's weird to see the um, a, a quality I associate with Richard coming out of Karen, which is just like the studying, you know, the genius, the genius, like the somebody who seemed to maybe go to school for Sonics or whatever.
0: It's like when like aliens who are like trapped on this planet in human form, like recognize each other.
1: They're like, oh, I see <laughs> you, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then they call occupants. And then they call ET right. for seven minutes long. My all-time <laughs> favorite. That was one of my that's one of my favorites. Come on.
4: Calling occupants of interplanetary craft. Calling occupants of interplanetary most extraordinary craft. Craft. Calling of
2: craft. It really is a wild cultural moment. You're talking about calling occupants of interplanetary craft from oh, 77's yeah. Passage.
1: Yes. Oh, from Passage, three mo- released three months before um, uh, Close Encounters, so they were on that beat before... <laughs> right before anyone w- that, i was telling nick about this passages is just an album that i did not know that well besides that song and i was not ready for the don't cry for me argentina moment
4: don't cry for me argentina the truth is i never left you all through my wild days my man I kept my promise Don't keep your distance And as for fortune And as for fame I never invited them in Though it seems. day Don't cry for me, Argentina.
2: Oh right. There are a couple car- there are a couple carp uh, uh, covers in the Carpenter's Ouvre that are Just make no sense. Like I don't, I personally don't need to hear Karen cover Desperado, for example, but that one is very, very strange. I feel like there's a whole
1: podcast that we have to do about divas that just jump on the same song for like three years and like everyone is releasing the same track (laughs) like Mm -hmm. in very similar ways. You know, Karen's isn't that different. Anyways, that's, that's
0: how long, how late, how late after Linda's did it come out?
1: Like maybe a year. It was, I think, seventy five.
2: The Desperado and Linda's was seventy three. Wow. Uh, well, that... Car- yeah, wait, Car- yes, uh, uh, you're correct because it was on the Horizon album, and that's seventy five. Yeah. Which brings me
0: to, I mean, this is the time for me to discuss it because our diva covered Karen Superstar. Oh, I didn't even our think diva, about these mm-hmm. And these two reads are so different because I'm so used to Bet Superstar, obviously, because mm-hmm. she's my diva, but. Karen's is so pure and there's this innocence to it and Bette's is so deeply sexual. And right. It's and it's a ins- sexual
2: song. It makes sense, you know.
0: Well, you yeah. know yeah. the Origins, Karen just right? takes the sex kind of out of it.
3: No.
4: For the second show. You're-
3: Way.
1: To this story, right? I don't know. Richard, uh, Richard, Richard, who cannot sleep, that's where he gets all of his great ideas is at night. Um, watching TV. He was watching um, Johnny Carson and he saw Bette Midler perform for him superstar. Uh, live before she before she before the cut came out. And so then he took it to Karen because he was like, Karen could slay on this. And then oh, Karen shit. And then was Karen's head. No, I mean it was a Leon Russell song. I don't know if Beck did it first. Um, I, I, I mean, I think it's the same thing. It's like it's a good song, so everyone's kind of
2: clamoring for
1: it. I just, do you know? Sure. Yeah. What, so, what's your take on Super Circo had Battle?
2: I'm somebody who is in one of those embarrassing lyrics comprehenders. Like, I'll I'll think I knew something for years, and I was totally wrong. I have the story with my mom, who who was who was very. Um, my mom was a very. James Taylor Carly Simon oriented person In the early 70s and she would have been 18 around That time so she knew the Carpenters One time we drove back she picked me up at college And we were driving home and I said To her I was like oh my god mom I always thought the lyric to this song Was you're coming back a swinging Baby as opposed to What I know it is which is You're coming back this weekend baby And my mom's driving and she goes It's this way again baby (laughs) And And we were, yeah, it was we were, like, What song I, are we talking about? Yeah, I, was too, I, I, was I was like, like Wait. <laughs> I was crying so hard, laughing at how stupid I sounded that we actually missed an exit and ended up in southern Illinois, which you don't want to end up in. It literally went on and on.
1: <laughs> I love that that was your mom. That you that, that's your your mom's humor. <laughs> like, I misread that Karen song. <laughs> we're going to drive off the road. <laughs>
0: when two, Jason and I growing up I had this friend named Robbie, and I remember when we were listening to TLC. And he looked either at me or you. And he was like, it's me. Don't go Jason Waterfalls.
1: It's a guy's name. That's the one time <laughs> I DJ. I used that name. I used Jason Waterfalls. <laughs> and then the guy I was dating, I was like, your name should be DJ Connor. I thought that was so funny. I thought it was so, you oh gonna be God, D- you so were funny. You were DJ Connor. No, DJ I was Gannon. Jason Waterfalls. And I wanted my boyfriend to be um, DJ Connor. <laughs> I was like, this is just funny. This is a play out of words. This is so funny. Oh, Jason
2: man. Waterfalls is really uproarious Like I'm holding it together That is very,
0: very <laughs> um, Oh, can I give you a low-key bop of mine That I did not even realize before? I'd never heard the song before My deep dive Sure Mr. Gruder
2: Oh, oh that's Mr. Gruder is amazing That album is amazing When they do it live oh. It is show-stopping My friend David Russell Who is Sia's manager Always talks about Mr. Gruder An all-timer for them
0: Oh, fuck It's She wails on that song I was like, I didn't know. I like had, I had that on the repeat for a good three or
2: four turns this week. And it starts out pretty um, light, like, say, Mr. Gouda," and then it like goes off.
4: Mr. Gouda, say, Mr. Gouda. may I have a moment with you? For there is something I've got to say, and please don't let it scare you away. Mr. Gouda, say, Mr. Gooder, I have seen you go through a day. Walk in at 9 and roll out the door at 5 You reflect the company image You maintain their rules to live by Shine your shoes, let keep a neat haircut Now that you're wearing a coat and tie Mr. Gouda, say, Mr. Gouda Someday soon you may realize You've done your life just playing a game Where no one wins but everyone
0: Yeah, it's got Mr. It's got Delta Dawn vibes to me. It's like a weird song with someone's name in it that you don't quite understand what happened to them or why we're singing
2: about them, but it makes you really emotional. It's also the best of. There's a few Carpenter songs like that early in their career where they're singing about some mystery entity, like person, like Dr- Drusilla, Penny, or Eve, or like just like who are these characters? And uh, yeah. Mr. Gooder's the one that actually goes somewhere. Karen's a dark
1: goddess. You know, there's always yes. some like what makes these songs magic is that these songs are "I'm on the top of the world" bops, and there's all but she but. But that, but that's Debbie Boone territory and that can just fly out the window. You can't hold on to that. And of course it's like Richard, it's like obviously part one Richard's magic production but then it's what Karen somehow brings into that with her what is it? Three something octave <laughs> level singing. Nick and I were obsessed mm-hmm. with her Money in the Basement quote that she has. She's like Oh yes, the, 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 the voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. Oh,
0: I was yeah. so obsessed with that. And Let Me Be The One is the one where I was like, oh, here's, this was like, that song is the Money in the Basement for me.
2: Totally. Also, I love how that song starts, the sleepless, whatever, and then like the booming, um, I would compare it to uh, hurting each other, and that it starts off with a kind of um, lulls you in, like there's a slight intensity, and then bam chorus. Uh, I love when the carpenters do that. Some
4: sleepless night If you should find yourself alone Let me be the one you run to Let me be the one you come to When you need someone to turn to Let me be the one To set things right When this old world Turned upside down Let me be the one you run to Let me be the one you come to When you need someone Need Someone to turn to
3: Let me be the
4: one For love and
0: understanding uh it's so good i talk about that a lot with the acting because i'm an actor and like i talk about actors who have the basement or who don't have the basement like like alfre woodard like lives in the basement like she lives in like she lives like four basements down Ooh, and, like, i love some, that and some people like you know i we try to stay deep positive but like margot robbie does not even have a basement she just lives in the attic you know like, correct there isn't I, I, really oof. a basement
2: I love that for acting. And that's so specific because, like, for me, Margot Robbie is a capable screen actress but doesn't, like, do it for me, which is what you're saying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like like Shelley Winters, like, dug the basement. Shelley Winters dug the entire <laughs> basement. She had the bulldozer. She had the backhoe. She invented the basement.
2: Well, yeah. I have a poster of Sandy Dennis behind me, and I don't know if she's in the basement, but I do believe, like, bats in the belfry, she is flying around the attic, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think Sandy did. I think, I think that Sandy had, had a basement. I think she did. Maybe she was, it was certainly like frightening. St- it was a storm cellar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How, she had to
0: go outside to get to it, and it was windy.
1: You know, I was thinking, we never asked this enough. Never enough um, about fandom and about you, you kind of coming out, being like, okay, this is where I'm at, at my level, and then meeting people. And then starting expressing that and sharing that love. Do you have moments of that? Have you, do you remember certain to have moments of that where you're like, I'm, this is my person. Like, this is kind of going to be always my person.
2: Well, what's interesting is I was highly in denial about being gay until the minute I was messing around with somebody. Truly up until that moment. In a, in a downy California, like, haze, I just thought, you know... Life was good, and we love fast food, and that's it. You know, like whatever. <laughs> and um, you're that, like that. You that basement
0: locked. You're that basement locked padlock. Like, <laughs> not vault. going into it.
2: Yeah, it's a cask of amontillado. Right, we're bricking it down. But because of that denial, I really had no shame about being obsessed with who I was obsessed with, because I didn't think it was a read on me being gay, because that was impossible, right? So. Uh, mm. I was always super committed to people knowing Madonna was the best that she, you know, was a god. That Karen Carpenter was, you know, deeper than the ocean. Um, and but uh, my, my girlfriends in high school were very um, into things like Weezer and uh, a Silver Silverchair would come up a lot, and we would meet <sighs> in the middle on things like Liz Fair, almost. But even that required some pushing on my end. Um. So <laughs> like the, but, the cranberries, maybe. Yeah, but like the, right. They could dial into that, maybe. But for the most part, I was happy to just have my, you know, uh, uh, collage of ladies I was obsessed with, and they knew that about me. And then, you know, whatever. I guess I'll just talk about Pinkerton for the fiftieth time with them. Oh. Did you
1: listen to the um, We Are the Carpenters cover album from nineteen ninety four? I think the Cranberries are on it. Dishwalla's is on we- it. <laughs>
2: Remember if Dishwalla? I were a carpenter with um, Sonic Youth
1: and stuff. and the, the, the one that everyone knows is the, the um, Superstar cover by Sonic Youth. But mm-hmm. there's also Sheryl Crow for non-blondes. It's a real moment. What does Sheryl 19- do? I Sheryl the
0: solitaire? Solitaire? Yes. Mm-hmm. 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 And Dishwalla. Gosh, I when I was in the closet, I Dishwalla was a big beard for me. Dishwalla. Mm. And my yeah. Dishwalla CDs. I, remember I don't the- even think there was more than one.
1: I, you know, there might be just one, one only truly. I remember being there, being in this uh, uh, clothing store when they, when they said they were going to go, when they said God was a girl and I lost my mind on my mom. I was like, think about that. Think about that now. (laughs) Oh, you think about that. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That was a real revelation for you. Oh
1: yeah. I was like stamping around the Sears being like, I know it now. (laughs) I know it.
2: When I was uh, uh, grew up in a Chicago suburb, there's a girl in my high school who, got to be in the background of a Dishwalla video. And I remember like I remember that now because that felt so untouchably glamorous at the time. Like what could that mean <laughs> being in the background of a Dishwalla music video? And now I'm like, right, they I, like they needed background or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. It's the background
0: yeah. between Dishwalla and Joan Osborne and um Sinead O'Connor, like the nineties were so theological. Like pop music was theology.
1: It was the end of religion, oh, God, as yes. far as I can see it. R.E.M. They just, oh,
0: R.E.M. Boom. Fuck. Christianity's done. Um, Though you asked earlier, Jay, about the season for Karen Carpenter, and I realized listening to her right now that her true season is upon us. It's Judgment Day. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she is very end of the world soundtrack. Like all of the songs fit for the COVID world.
2: Nuclear winter is her season, yes. <laughs> yes <laughs> I,
1: I definitely... Nuclear winter. I definitely have a really pertinent note that says Karen is witchy. Karen is very, very witchy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's she's ethereal, she is kind of there's something there's an overview perspective on her um music that she's almost viewing it from on top and yes, and telling a secret truth. Is that am I crazy? Am I out to lunch? No,
2: I no, again, that's the thing I think we're always trying to articulate about her is what is going on beyond singing here, which is to say like, there's a hidden knowledge and, and also empathy for seemingly everyone that I feel like goes unreciprocated. Like she feels mm. like she she hasn't been accessed that way.
0: Yeah, she loves, she loves us, she loves humanity, and yet she is not truly loved.
2: Right, right.
0: And if she had been, maybe things would have gone differently. Um, I am so obsessed with the fact that I found out that she collected and amassed an enormous amount of disney memorabilia in her century city apartment and jay i thought that was a very you move no
1: you know what's even more of a me move is the hardest thing she ever drank was iced tea and you can get a recipe for agnes's iced tea which is i i'm okay i'm i'm not reading it from the books but i think it's instant tea sugar lemonade from concentrate and a couple squirts of fresh lemon and then you just mix that up and that's karen's drink y'all that's that's as hard as she gets <laughs> fuck i'm gonna make some i made that's, iced tea this that's weekend, some agnes's tea happy. oh agnes well we'll talk about the goddess in the patreon later
0: <laughs> we're um, gonna get into agnes on the patreon
1: what's your read on karen's solo album i just i didn't know about it so i just got into it
2: Oh, that's interesting. Well, it's what's crazy is it's called the disco album, but there really are only two tracks that you would From even the 80s? remotely consider it. It's for, it was recorded in the late seventies with Phil Ramone, and then it was released posthumously oh, right. in nineteen ninety seven. That's it's right. A great time for disco. So she
1: recorded it before she did "Made in America."
2: <laughs> Correct.
1: Okay, and then um, and they shelved the, it. Yeah, and all the studio heads were like, we just couldn't release it. We just couldn't do it. We couldn't do that to Karen. and. Why? I... Well, there are a
2: couple of reasons for that. One, uh, obviously, they didn't hear whatever single they wanted to hear. But two, okay. like Richard was obsessed with, as they, as is conveyed in the Cynthia Gibb uh, movie, that he controlled their sound. That he, he, he did feel a slight betrayal about it, even though he had supported her in some ways. He did deride the music as calling it quote, "quote, unquote" to New York, which is basically like saying all disco sucks. I think is what he. Uh, was getting at but if you don't know the song my body keeps changing my mind guys do a leap but watch out it is a jam it's
1: a total jam but my body keeps changing And controversially, I think it's better than Made in America.
2: Uh, oh, I think I might agree with that. I don't love the It's Still Crazy After All These Years covers, but yeah.
1: I'm actually
0: gonna I do like that song, though. I'm into that song. Yeah, me too. It's like one of those songs I love hearing people cover.
1: Yeah, because it's like, like American.
0: It's just like reminiscing. Yeah.
1: You're just like, oh, that's I like. Amer-
0: I love like an American tune cover, too. Like give it sure. to I, wish, I wish Karen Carpenter would have sang American Tune. That would have been
2: amazing.
1: It's interesting and that Richard it... was so hard up because he released that he then re, he then released it in ninety-six. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, 96.
1: That's right. What give us some more jokes. I mean, yeah, do you want to yeah. do some flops and bops? Oh, please. Okay,
0: so we sometimes play a game called flops and bops where you can either give us a flop or a bop. That's the whole game.
1: <laughs> yes, girl. <laughs> All right, and and,
2: and and bop can be defined liberally just as a song we do want to listen to. Absolutely, or a look that you want to talk about. Or, or a
1: moment or in time.
2: An interview, whatever. The bop that I want people to know about is from the Passage album. It's called Two Sides. I want it to be the theme song about a, a middle-aged man who tries drag for the first time because <laughs> the song is... Uh, there's another side of me. There's the one you think you live with. The one you never see. There's
4: two sides. There's another side of me. There's the one you think you live with. The one you never The
2: chorus is so pleasant but it really is laying bare the karen carpenter problem which is i'm here for you i'm a perfectionist i do the job and yet i am so lonely and alienated in this other way but it's a beautiful song it's a uh, light she sounds great it's the, it's very shocking on the passage album which has all this other crazy stuff going on as we talked about the don't cry for me argentina Calling occupants, etc. Awesome song, one of my favorites. Crazy Quaalude
1: album. I just
2: <laughs>
1: cra- the intro to "Don't Cry for Me" is like five minutes long. It's like the intro to the Christmas album. It's so long and weird, and like I, I, I but I also think that's brilliant. He does so much orchestration around Karen's voice before Karen's voice. It's so grand, and then Karen kind of comes comes in under it. I don't know. It's you got one Nick.
2: No, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. I've got a flop um Please. a flop a flop for me is that the while i love that bbc concert i think it's like the height of the incestiness between the two of them like sure. there's always like a slight incesty vibe with like close to you and like like are is she singing it to him or is she singing it to us and it's just there's a lot of incesty feelings in that concert that made me a
1: little frightened sorry what's the flop then <laughs> oh the incest um <laughs> Incest is a flop for me. Yeah. He really hated his album covers, Richard did. And uh, that one where they're like sitting on a, in a... Do you know what I'm talking about?
2: Yeah, close to you. Close, mm-hmm.
1: close to you, yeah. He was really anti
2: that. Uh, he
1: said it was, it was like too pure or something.
2: Meanwhile, it's like everything they did was pure. He, his perception of himself was always so, so insane. Very but, weird. Um, I was
1: like, what do you think you are? Like, you know, Kiss or something? Yeah.
2: He had personality dysmorphia. Yes. Also, by the way, in terms of the incest factor, I mean, the truth of it is when I think Richard started dating he, who became his then wife, like Karen would originally go on the dates with them. I mean, like something is was strange about the family in general. Yeah.
1: The other, the other we're, we're like, we haven't mentioned the other famous duo, Donnie and Marie. And so I was, I kind of tried to dip my toe a little bit into that. Sibling duo to see like because they were definitely Mormons. That was probably how I got the Karen and um oh my god and they bo- what is Richard's line? I don't believe or are, are, um we're not goody two shoes. We're goody four shoes. Got him. Yeah. Got him, bitch.
0: Boom. Boom. <laughs> Tattoo that on your forearm. Oh, here's um, a flop.
1: I have a flop. I wish it was The Carpenters. I wish to mm-hmm. God it was The Carpenters. I don't. Drives me wild carpenters you're not the carp you're the carpenters please. and also
2: like I, i'm wearing the, the logo on my shirt like a little the right here would make sense you know
0: i wouldn't kill anyone that's what we all say anyway and when
1: i chat type it in i say the carpenters i just say the carpenters anyways that's very minuscule but
0: um my other flop is karen's terrible husband oh god horrible
2: chapter at the worst time too Ugh. it's and creepy that
1: he keeps coming back on. He's he comes on the documentaries and talks like he has anything to say.
2: Ugh. Right. Nobody so in the family gross. liked him. Yeah. Like and
0: also at her funeral, he threw his wedding ring into the casket. Just horrifying.
2: Right. He sucks. Yes. Horrifying. Me- Should I throw out another Bob?
0: Yes. Yeah. Please. Give us a Bob quickly.
2: Um, my favorite. Yeah. My favorite Carpenter's album is Horizon. 1975, which does has have the Desperado cover I don't care about on it, but it does have the amazing song "I'm Caught Between Goodbye and I Love You," which is a, uh, I, I guess you'd call it, it's mid-tempo, sort of a ballad, but what it what it conveys, and you can hear it in the title, is indecision, like I don't know what to do next. And Karen, I think, is the master of conveying indecision. I think that song really um, distills that well.
4: I have something to tell you. And I know it won't be easy I've been thinking these past few days it might be time to leave your The devil and the deep blue sea. Can I add another
0: word onto that? Sure. Ambivalence. Yes. And not ambivalence in the sense of not caring, but ambivalence in like being stuck between two feelings. You know? Qu- quite,
2: yes. And occasionally reconciling them, but
0: like living between them too. And I, oh, just so you know, I only said quickly to get us off the topic of the terrible husband, not because we're under some time restriction or anything. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just all of a sudden was like, oh, I don't want to rush you. Um, I, okay, here's a bop for me, which is from uh, Karen Tongson's book. And this was really, because I did, like, I did suffer a lot of diva shame when I was a teen or whatever, and I hid my divas, and I've... Kind of like this whole podcast is a a pride march for me with my divas. But um, Karen Tongson in her book, Why Karen Carpenter Matters, says, Through Karen, I came to understand that soft rock might not signal a weakness or a vulnerability, but instead announces a strength. Hell yes. And I was like, that is so beautiful to me. Like, how strong a woman do you have to be to sing soft rock? No,
2: totally. I, I, and we brought this up about Karen Thompson before. The insight she has about Karen Carpenter and the experience of listening to her, and like how you carry the music with you, are second to none. Truly, we have been waiting decades for this person to roll around and, and get this right. So, and also, like
0: what it means for her as a Filipino American, what it means for her as a queer person. Like she's so specific about that stuff. It's really, really be- like the more I love it when something
2: becomes so specific, it becomes universal. Totally. This, yeah, the Carpenters had specifically had Philippines only singles or whatever. Like the song "You" by the Carpenters, which is not known here, is huge there. And um, uh, Leah Salonga once covered "You" in concert, which is a great <gasps> cover. Oh, <woo>. <laughs> <laughs> Leah Salonga's <laughs>
1: huge. Just team a <laughs> You have to pause. Oh. <laughs> Nick and I were going to do before all hell broke loose, uh, Christmas in July. But listening to, always, I, I, I mean, listening to the Carpets' Christ, Christmas album, one of the greatest Christmas albums of all time. We haven't really talked about it. Um, it's real fun to listen to right now in this heat wave. <laughs> There's something real, like, look, I'm fucking with my reality even more so than I'm <laughs> than I'm already living
2: in uh so (laughs) that that was the album where my brother mark said to me i got him into the carpenters and he goes wait you're telling me there are songs karen doesn't sing on (laughs) like gypped you know I know, i
1: know because they do a christmas there's a you can do a christmas you can do the christmas portrait and then you can do the christmas collection if you really wanted to have an la 95 degree weather fun by the pool put that on you'd be real grimes or whatever Remember when grimes played <laughs> like over and over
2: back in the aughts all i want for christmas uh.
1: so yeah anything anything else you want to do for your fandom lewis
2: uh me yeah. um just just know that you can jump in at any point Truly, like a, a a hits compilation is perfectly acceptable to own and uh, cherish, and gets you really into the narrative of the Carpenters. Immediate, like you can't listen to this voice without being more curious about her. I, something I've been enjoying recently, like as I'm working out in my house and sweating in my living room, my least favorite activity, is I will put on YouTube videos of people, quote unquote, listening to Karen for the first time. And truly, it is like I am listening to the first time when I put that stuff on. It's fun seeing people be like. Wow this makes me sad and happy like really reconciling these fundamental things that we keep that we Karen fans keep talking about it's really fun
1: and of course get deep but I will have to say the singles um 1969 to 1973 top 3 top 2 greatest collections of songs I mean front to back it is loaded so hard that it I mean it's perfection
2: Right. I know that's no, like always a
1: cop out to do the great, to do that, but it's it is truly. I I really struggle to think of a better collection of songs.
2: I'm I'm like shaking my head right now. I, it, you're right. It's it's just it's so essential. I'm I'm so glad I um found them early in my life. So you could just keep
1: getting deeper and deeper and deeper
2: right. And deeper. So <laughs> lost in it. Yeah.
1: So we clo- we close up. Go ahead, Nick. No, you you go. I want you to go. You want me to go. So you're in your, so you're sweating in your kitchen and you magically have a phone with a really long cord uh, so that you can walk all over your house and get into the coolest place. and uh, magically, that phone is connected to a, to the landline of Karen Carpenter's what was it um, Century City house? <laughs> yes <laughs> And you're able to leave uh, her a message. and she's able to hear it. What do you say?
2: Oh my God. Incredible question. Oh my God. I I can't, I don't believe I've ever wept on a podcast before. I'm going to try not to. We'll see how it goes. Um, hi, Karen. It's me, Lewis. I just need you to know I totally get it. Everything you threw out, I was receiving it. Don't worry. I've spread it to every gay person who ever needed to hear it. I'm doing my best. I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, you rock. The dresses were always correct. You were the one who was right about that. The rock press was was incorrect. Uh, uh, we're still figuring out how great you were. One day we're going to get it, but we've got decades to go. Thanks for everything. I'll do, I, I'm will i out here doing the good work. Love, Lewis.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you kept it together. You kept oh, it together. That was beautiful. <laughs> Never He's let him rocking see you cry. back
0: and forth. He's rocking
2: himself <laughs> back and forth. <laughs> He's taking I his off. I mean, shirt the idea of and... speaking to her is so crazy. I, I always say, like, Karen Carpenter would only be 70 years old now. And, um, I should be—I should be on my fifteenth time seeing her in Palm Springs. You know what I mean? But oh my uh, god, that would be know. incredible! Oh, thank you so
0: much for coming on and sharing your beautiful and encyclopedic fandom of Karen.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, what, what an intense pleasure! And you both are the best. My god, don't ever stop doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, we neither of us—neither
0: of us have anything to do. We're trapped in our house. <laughs> perfect and Lewis is going to stay with us on the Patreon and we're going to talk about uh, the Karen Carpenter story starring friend of the podcast Cynthia Gibb and uh, superstar the Todd Haynes Karen Carpenter story
1: but thank you Lewis y'all have a Karen Carpenter summer it's like a real sad girl summer right now and mm-hmm. I, I think that this is uh, but this will give you this will the whole point of all this is to get you uh, to get you touched into your feelings and Karen's a great feelings uh, vessel for me.
0: Yeah, just so. dive into your ambivalence and uh, <laughs> have a great week. Wear a fucking mask. Download our fucking podcast and join our fucking Patreon. We love okay, you. Hey,
1: <laughs>
3: bye. Bye.
0: Bye. Such
4: a feeling's coming over me. There is wonder in most everything. surprised if